Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Rich O'Coyne is an ambitious composer and talented multi-instrumentalist based in the wonderful city of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Since the release of his 2007 EP, Personal Publication, O'Coyne has earned a reputation for a joyfully structured live show centered on his unique exploration of indie rock-infused electronic music, his tendency to collaborate with millions of people, sometimes on one single album, and his penchant for touring across large land masses by bicycle and running marathons to get from one show to the next. O'Coin's latest venture is a four-part album series called Synthetic, which boasts capturing more synthesizers than any other sessions in recorded history. It kicked off in the fall of 2022 when We Are Busy Bodies released Synthetic Season 1, 
a synth odyssey, which prompted Rich and I to reconnect for a good talk about the Nova Scotia mindset, one of the first reviews he ever received for his music, the good parts of social media, and what's been happening with Twitter as of late, all of the different instruments he studied in school and now knows how to play very, very well, where the idea for synthetic came from, and how you too, listening right now, can still contribute synth to this album series, why and how he has worked as a touring musician who has crossed a lot of North America by bicycle, what's next for the synthetic series, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of revenue for all of the work that goes into this podcast. So if you don't mind checking it out and considering donating, please visit patreon.com slash creative control. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 737 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Rich O'Coin with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Rich. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Vish? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, where in the world are you today? I'm back home in my apartment in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Halifax. Now, how... This is, uh, you know, I knew your brother, uh, mm-hmm. Paul, as a Toronto person. What is the story with the O'Coins in, in Nova Scotia? Are you from there? Yeah, we're both from here. And yeah, Paul had a, I think, a 20-year stint in Toronto. He's now back here as well, but still works with a lot of uh, Toronto-based uh, artists and and uh, businesses. But uh, yeah, he, he kind of settled down to uh, the countryside down in the South Shore in Petite Riviere. And uh, I've been in the same apartment that I've lived in since I finished college. Uh, so I've been here now uh, coming up to 17 years. Wow, that's amazing. You're ensconced, <laughs> yeah. entrenched in Nova yeah. Scotia. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's a nice it's nice to travel and then like come back to I, I, I originally when I moved in and met my super sweet landlord, maybe in the running for best landlord of all time, <laughs> I moved in on the condition that it was month to month and told him very confidently that I wasn't going to be here for very long (laughs) (laughs) and uh now I I might hold the record from amongst all my uh peers and friends for staying in one apartment the longest in Halifax did you assume when you said that to your landlord that you would live in Toronto Montreal something like that yeah, all the places listed in that Joel Plaskett song. Uh, <laughs> Joel Plaskett. So for those who don't know, for those who aren't familiar with Joel Plaskett, uh, he is someone that uh, came up in conversation recently when I was talking to uh, the people in Sloan, particularly Jay Ferguson. Uh, we mm-hmm. were just talking about, uh, it seems to me that some Nova Scotians 
uh, get a little self-conscious about uh, moving, having moved. Yeah. And then some of the ones who stay kind of make fun of the people who moved. Uh, Joel Plaskett famously has, uh, well, not famously, but I mean, for those of us who follow Joel, he's got a song called, uh, is it called Reason Why I Love This Town? Is that the name of the song? I, I'm just spitballing here. I just remember the lyric is, uh, all my friends, where did they go? Montreal. Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that song too off of uh Truthfully Truthfully. Yeah, there's that song. Yeah. No, but he's got a song oh, he's got a song yeah, where he goes song. uh what's it called there? Uh what's the lyric? I'm just trying to draw upon my memory, but it's like um shoot, I can't remember. But basically it's like we'll we'll make fun of you for moving away for fun. Yeah. It's just for fun kind of thing. It'll come to me later. I'm tired. I'm sorry. But I, I Yeah, know yeah. I'm, he he's very uh he's a huge inspiration and like such a prolific artist uh it's it's interesting in making this record i looked up how many artists had made triple records mm-hmm. and he's on a very short list of like i think there was like there was under 20 like real deal triple albums yeah and i think he's one of like two or like under five for uh, real deal quadruple albums, which is latest forty four. Yeah, so it's it's really impressive seeing how many ideas he can have and uh, and just fun uh, like using the studio like an instrument, like a old school um, uh, producer. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 quite impressive. So Joel has a thing where he gets an idea. And no matter how far fetched it is, he is ambitious, <laughs> ambitious enough yeah. to try to go for yeah. the scale of it. Like the scale of it, I yeah. think, gets in his head. It wouldn't be great if I made a quadruple record and then he's got to kind of do it. And uh, yeah. I feel like, Rich, based on uh, the music you've made, uh, the live shows that I've seen over the years, you have a similar mm-hmm. sort of uh, ambitious streak instilled within yeah. you where you're like, like this record that we're talking about today, it's called Synthetic. And even the little uh, uh, sort of tagline is, the album promises more synths than any other <laughs> in recorded history. So it's not just making music, you guys. There's something about Nova Scotians where you, you come yeah. up. I'm just generalizing, of course. I can think of two Haligonians off the top of my head. Actually, you know who else I just had on the show? Uh, Lance Sampson, Aquaculture. Yeah, I was I was listening to that. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Similarly ambitious, like Lance's uh, records. Yeah. He the last one in particular, "Don't Trip," played mostly played like produced or co-produced every single song. Uh, num- there's mm-hmm. more than one song where he plays every single instrument himself and sings, uh, occasionally even raps. So there's this, uh, yeah. and Joel is similar. Like Joel can play every single instrument that you hear on his record. If, if oh, he yeah. really wanted to, he could. I mean, he's got a band and all that stuff. Yeah. You, similar. So what is going on there? This yeah. sort of like self-propelling, <laughs> independent spirit yeah. that you folks have. Uh, again, I'm generalizing, but I've cited three examples. That's enough. That proves my theory, yeah, right? Yeah, no, no. It's well, some, something, well, yeah, something, there, something in the water. Is there something uh, going on in Halifax where you're all... I can't speak for Lance or Joel, but uh, I know for me at least... One of the reasons is it's fun to try and do something you haven't seen done before. And usually 
if you want to do something you haven't seen done before, it means going off the the beaten path and doing something kind of wacky, like uh, uh, an ambitious goal that that someone hadn't thought important enough to <laughs> to go for before. So I think that's usually what happens in my case that it's stemming from like wanting to you know do something new. And then, and then maybe there's something in, if I'm thinking about it even like deeper of the, if you do something ambitious, even if you fail at it, you know, people will at least appreciate the effort you went to, uh, to fail ambitiously. Yeah. It's, <laughs> then, it's an adventure. Know. It's like an adventure. Yeah. Are you guys all big fans of Indiana Jones or something? <laughs> I know. I know I am. Yeah, uh, I am too. I, I, uh, you know, I've got Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, soundtrack hanging up on my wall behind me. Oh, there you go. I think I just, mm-hmm. by the way, as you're speaking, I just want to uh, do a callback because I think I, I'm again, I'm riffing off my memory, but I think I remember the lyric from that Plaskett song. Oh, nice. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I, I saw your band in the early days. We all understand why you moved away. Shoot. Now I forget it. No, I and had he it. was commenting that was at the time when when they said the the famous quote, "Halifax is the new Seattle," right? Yeah, uh, like, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because it was like Sloan. Sloan definitely was the band that was like, "Okay, we've really got to go for this. We got to leave Halifax." And at the time, like, I don't fault anyone for leaving Halifax. Like, definitely in the nineties, you know, the whole industry like uh uh, you you had to go and live in these these centers like uh new york and toronto um to like have those opportunities in a way that i kind of came along you know post internet sub genre connectors of of people where like a lot of my like peers you know are geographically spaced out instead of like a scene in Halifax like it's always been interesting growing up playing music here because I have some friends that I used to play with all the time but we weren't akin uh genre wise we just kind of liked each other and would have these like eclectic shows uh whereas uh you know a lot of the bands during in my like peer group here in Nova Scotia are, are all like, um, you know, garage rock and, and really kind of scrappier, um, indie rock and stuff like that. Whereas I was always, you know, making really layered sample based music, uh, and, and dance and, and pop and uh, electronic. And so it kind of, uh, I, I was definitely always the outlier, uh, in, 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 in a, a auditory sort of way. Yeah, but within everything we're discussing, what I really wanted to get to about that lyric, and again, I'm half remembering it, is I saw your band in the early days. We all understand why you moved away, but we'll have a laugh anyway because it's fun. And the fun, <laughs> like, that's that. I'm again, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, and Plaskett heads out there are probably wincing as I mangle these lyrics off the top of my head. <laughs> but I, I just want to say the fun part is where I'm coming from because uh, as, yeah. a, as a, a follower of people like Joel and Thresh Hermit, and yourself, uh, I, I I always sense that within that ambition is, like you say, a kind of, uh, it's like a challenge and an adventure, but it's all meant to be fun. And I feel like you in particular, mm-hmm. uh, given the kind of music you make and, and the live shows you put on, 
it seems to me that you are trying to both uh, conjure or channel joy and fun. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just to impress people with yeah. the ambition. You're yeah, yeah. You're trying to instill yeah, I, joy. Is that fair? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, and also pulling it back to like what I was saying of trying to do something new. Like I think the ideas I go after, I'm just trying to like, I, I think I can elicit that joy if I go for something that I can even just give you the elevator pitch of what I'm working on. And you're like, Whoa, <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And that immediately makes that sort of like joyed, uh, kind of, um, um, you know, wowedness of, 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 a of a, of a, of a goal that seems, seems, uh, uh, unreasonable or something, but yeah. you, you actually were kind of a director of this as well. Cause, uh, you rev- gave me my first like professional review. I did. And exclaim. Yeah. In 2007 oh. for my first EP. Oh, wow. And I always remember the last line of it was, uh, uh, something to the effect of, uh, riches and artists whose ambitious works is something to keep tabs on. And ah. uh, I was like, okay, he liked the ambitious part. Let me keep going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I have no real recall. You know, I've done a, a million of those sorts of reviews. It's always interesting yeah. that I've had this a couple of times lately where someone remembers something I, Oh, I think it was Jose also for Contreras from uh, by divine right invoked a review mm-hmm. I wrote of a live show they did. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I vaguely remember doing that. It is interesting. Like we yeah. forget people like me, I think well, forget it's like how much- it was just another one for you. But as a young 23 year old artist, uh, who was excited about being reviewed and exclaim for the first time, I, uh, you know, was hanging off that, that, uh, that uh, piece of paper just being like, oh, my God, nice. All right, I'm doing this. Nice. this is well, no, no, it's good. I didn't take it for granted <laughs> right. either. I knew that, uh, yeah. I mean, ideally in those things, I was trying to help uh, the artist I enjoyed uh, at least spread mm-hmm. the word. And that's what this show is, too, I guess. It's an extension of that. Yeah. Uh, and what a what a great thing you've created for the world. Like, uh, as I said before, we start rolling 730 episodes of such an eclectic Maybe the most eclectic uh, lineup I've ever oh, wow. seen. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, in these well, in these uh, interview shows, it's really nice. That's very kind of you to say. I'm uh, as we're speaking. Uh, I had a really busy and ambitious and fulfilling month of October, but I was at like two episodes a week, and I was kind of uh, which happens sometimes. I get so. Mm-hmm. Uh, into it that I want to make as and, and people have records coming out and I try to keep the show topical in that regard, you know. Um, but I, yeah. I crashed by the end of the month and oh, for sure, I was just yeah. sort of October, Rocktober. Yeah, I was just sort yeah. of like it's heavy. It's weird though because I there were various points of that month where I'm like, I I don't mean to sound immodest, but I I was feeling the things you're saying. I'm like, this feels good. Mm-hmm. I think I'm doing good work. The show feels good. And as I'm speaking to you, Rich, I feel a little depleted. And like, I, mm. I, I don't know if you have this as a musician. I go through like within two weeks, I can think that the thing I did or am doing is fulfilling and beneficial to others and uh, the best thing I've ever done. And then a week later, I'm like, I should just quit. Why am I doing this? What is the <laughs> point? 
I, you know, that's oh, yeah. how I'm, and I'm not, I'm happy to speak to you. I don't mean to sound uh, depressed, but I'm just like, I'm yeah. in this zone of having worked so hard. Again, as we're speaking, it's early November, very early November. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm having that sort of existential thing that happens to me uh, sometimes. And I usually yeah. ride it out. But it's palpable, and it's winter here in Edmonton. Like the snow just fell. Yeah, all of it's sort of hitting me. I'm just being candid with you. I appreciate yeah. the praise. I need it today. Thank yeah. you. But I also, I'm, I'm just. I'm. Do you have that? Do you ever get these sort of doubts? Oh my and gosh. Feel it? I yeah. So I get what you're talking about on a weekly cycle, and then mm. there's a short, even shorter one that's like a daily version of that for me. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's it's a very it's a very real thing. Like, uh, I, I do, uh, I, I have been having more of these conversations with artist friends, like, especially as I get older where, you know, you're starting out, you're having, you know, you, 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 you get reviewed and exclaimed by Vish and you're <laughs> super excited and like, there's nothing, there's no like end in sight. And then suddenly, you know, uh, uh, how many years is that? 15 years go by. Yeah. And, uh, and then you're, you're like, oh, it'd be kind of nice to do the things that I see other people doing, like have a family and, you know, uh, move out of my first starter apartment <laughs> and kind of yeah. stuff like that. And, and so those like kind of real things like hit and come up with a few, um, analogies in that like you know I, I started swimming across the lake with a bunch of artist peers and now we're over halfway through the lake and it would be just as hard to swim back and yeah you know yeah. find yeah. another career that that involves taking a boat of some sort <laughs> yeah uh, so there's like a certain sense where you know I should just keep going but then you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to gamble my own life, but, uh, you know, if I want to have like a family, uh, in the next few years, uh, the, these kind of like lottery kind of ticket kind of things, uh, mm-hmm. that constantly are happening where, you know, I, I either like I get a placement through some sort of film or TV or uh, I get invited on tour, like all these things kind of, you know, you can't rely on them, but they certainly are the reason, you know, one after another happening throughout my career has kind of let me do this as my job for, for 15 years. But, uh, but it's certainly like this thing where you're, you're kind of like, okay, how, how do, how do we get this? Like really just being its own, um, churning machine that that i can just you know run without feeling like every day or every week (laughs) the whole thing is a wasted pursuit and it's gonna fall apart and uh i I, and and then those funny things that your like extended families tell you years ago like at like a family uh dinner or something like when they're like you still doing the music thing and you're like yes and they're like well it's good you're doing it while you're young (laughs) Yeah, there's the constant, I guess, yeah, you're right. I think some of that existential dread stems from judgment, judgmental commentary. Mm-hmm. And, and it does, yeah. it, it, I guess, as sensitive people, you can brush it off. And, you know, ideally you're hearing those comments at the peak of your power. We're like, what are you talking about? I'm on, 
I just got profiled on CBC. I just got an NPR. Yeah. Like you, you, you can feel like I got reviewed and exclaim or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever gives you that little bit of, um, of a, of a boost. Hopefully that's when you're getting those comments. But like you're saying, you're drawing upon these little side comments that are made at family gatherings in the last 15 years and they creep up on you. And I think I have the same sort of doubt and feeling of like, maybe I'm not good at this. Like, again, having just received mm. numerous comments <laughs> that I am. Yeah, yeah not, not just yeah. from you. Like, I, I get yeah. I get these emails yeah. from listeners and and it's like really nice, but it's, I don't know. And, and so then, yeah. then you feel, I think, I feel a little bit of responsibility to it and guilt for not doing mm. it. it. It's a very strange thing. Uh, and I, d- I think, yeah, yeah, I think there is this objective level. And so, okay. So the, my, mo- most of my existential stuff revolves around just very brass tacks, like, uh, economical mm-hmm. concerns. Um, but I also have, a have had a lot of conversations with, um, artist friends about, you know, artistic goals and those are that kind of existential thing is a little blurrier because like you can't control, you know, the reviews you get and you can't control how, how it's like received. You can only just keep doing the work and, and hope that you get lucky that your, you know, your uh, mix of ingredients and uh way to uh, yield them into a soup uh, has, uh, correlates with what people and uh, reviewers want um, uh, at this particular point in history. Like, even even you might even make something amazing that that you know nobody wants that soup for twenty years, and then twenty years later they're like, "Oh, have you tried this soup? It's amazing." <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. Uh, so there is that. Like, there's that other side where you can. It's hard to evaluate you know, really where something's at. But that being said, I do think there's like this like minimum objectivity kind of like level where um, if you're getting those like compliments and like messages from people and even if it's not many, but like you're connecting with people like speaking just from myself, like having people like send me messages after my shows and stuff that, uh, you know, say that the show really turned their you know, thought process around in like a tough time or something like that, just because the, uh, for the listeners, uh, my show's really revolving around, uh, kind of like having the person, uh, leave the show feeling really positive about life and themselves and everything. And so I'll get these messages that, you know, are like really personal and really like nice and uh that someone you know opened up to share to me uh on through some direct message and those immediately just like uh, i call them the the gas in the tank uh messages because like it really just fills it back up to like me to like get going to the next stop because um uh even if like certain um kind of goals aren't being met of of a scale i know that at least on this like you know service and what i'm offering the world through my existence here is you know doing these one-to-one kind of like uh connections with people uh and yeah in the end of the day that i'm just like okay 
I'll keep doing this and this is working. I just need to somehow find the, the like people that want to like be on board this, uh, the soup train. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it does ebb and flow, like you say. You'll get a, a nice boost or you'll feel good. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. what we've learned, again, there's a few things happening as we're speaking. One of them is that Twitter is falling apart. Oh, yeah. And Twitter, that's been an interesting thing because I think those of us who think about it realize it's never been particularly good for us, all the social mm-hmm. media stuff. But on the other, you talk about connection. I mean... It is falling apart. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, again, by the time people hear this, who knows what status it'll have, but uh, yeah. it is a disruption of people's ability to to connect with each other and learn things about the world mm-hmm. uh, more than a lot of the kind of frivolous uh, social media things. I know Twitter can be a hellscape for some, but I, I have found it useful. So I think I'm just, yeah. everything's happening at once where I'm like, I'm tired I'm not yeah. <laughs> sure what to do sometimes uh, at this moment that I'm speaking to you. This will pass. Yeah. It happens from time to time. I think it'll pass. Uh, but then also just feeling like one of the major ways that uh, I take all of this uh, work I'm doing and connect it with the world is being destroyed, which is Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, on some level, it's not like I'd, it's gangbusters or nothing, but I think that's how people find out about journalism and news and and communicate uh, releases. And I'm trying to be a part of that. And so I think that's, I I will just, I'm just trying to put a bow on this. Like I think you and I are coming from the same place. It's about connecting people to other people and connecting with people on our own. But I think that's what it is. I'm like, well, one of the major ways that I connect, um, my modest number of followers with the music I like or the art I like is being destroyed. So what is that going to mean? How are they going to find out about it? Do you think that uh, everyone's just going to reluctantly pay the eight bucks a month? Uh, No. Or do you think they'll be, you know, you you think, yeah, it's interesting. I, I've, this uh, is for, just so we're clear though, that's for verification. That's for verification. I think it's not necessarily to use the service, but no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I mean, mostly uh, the people that are verified will probably want to keep the f- the functionality that they had. Um, oh, well, and I, it's probably I, sorry, worth the $8. I, I don't want to go on a... Yeah, it's not. I don't... No, we're not. We're not going to do it. I, I don't... <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a verified account, but I'm not going to... Yeah. Currently, yeah. as I'm speaking to you, but I'm not going to... I really hope you're right. I... I am more uh, pessimistic about it. I feel like people might just go along with it, it with if we use the example of Facebook as uh, kind of like uh, something to draw on a historical example because like Facebook used to be so amazing for reaching your people that followed your page. And then one day it wasn't, and one day they were like, "Hey, you want to reach those people that have already agreed that they want to hear from you?" Yeah. It's like, well, now it's going to cost a seventy-five dollar ad every time you want to like. Yeah, but but I haven't. Them. Yes, I agree with you. But I, I as soon as they started doing that, I I would occasionally I thought, well, maybe I should just give them five bucks to boost a post yeah. and now i but as soon as that oh, seemed I wish to be it was the, only five bucks <laughs> well i don't know what it is but as soon as they I, yeah. haven't, I haven't looked into it in a while my point is no, no. i haven't done it once since yeah. i realized they were being kind of punitive about it and i was like getting no engagement all of a sudden i still yeah. do the work i still rely on sort of grassroots sharing and whatnot 
Anyway, all this yeah. to say, I don't... Yeah, so I think what I'm getting at is the things we've been using to communicate with each other are being attacked and destroyed yeah. from within, yeah. and it seems deliberate. And it's yeah. it, that's oh, sure. that's why I think I'm also... I don't want to say I'm sad about Twitter, because that seems weird, but it has been a communication <laughs> and connection tool that is no, uh, yeah, me. You, you and get I, attached to things. I was yeah. I was sad when Facebook overtook MySpace. Yeah, I thought MySpace he, was a much more useful, uh, yeah, for music, yeah. like website for music, like that everyone, everyone could have the same uh, website, and so as someone checking out another band, you knew you could do it in a certain amount of time, and it really may, meant like you gave more time for discovery. Yeah. In a way that, like, if as soon as someone like is like, "Come to my Flash site," <laughs> you're just like, "Oh, that's it's a lot of work to like start navigating some some really ambitious uh, website that uh, you well, just want to hear the music yeah. right away." Much like uh, my experience with the pandemic, um, I'm mourning something. I'm mourning the loss of stuff, but I'm also mourning, or rather. I'm just frustrated by human behavior. So we have this, <laughs> as we're speaking, yeah. we just have this billionaire who's run amok and can afford to screw everything up for everyone. Yeah. And and so similarly, during this pandemic, I've mostly, I mean, I've had my fair share of anxiety about the actual implications of getting um, this virus and, and the fact that it spreads and all that stuff. And, you know people have died that I know mm. and people have gotten sick that I know and it's not been good. However, I've also that anxiety is uh, outweighed by anger um, mm-hmm. that we can't that we that there are people that don't care enough about other people um, yeah. uh, to just make sacrifices that suck but have a long-term view of things yeah, uh, not whole, short-term well, like, oh, I have to go to nice the pub. Things. I have to go to the pub, right? Well, no, you, you don't have to if it means yeah. potentially harming yeah. other people. You know what I mean? But but it's yeah. just so that's the kind of stuff where uh, I'm I'm trying to maybe this is a false yeah. equivalency, but I feel like one guy buying <laughs> a platform that everyone uses yeah. for hopefully mostly for uh, good reasons and to to destroy it from within because you're insecure or you're mad that you're not funny you know because i think he's just <laughs> mad that people don't like him and he thinks yeah. this is a way for people to like him the cool Control people the like he the verification thing pull. is interesting because let's look at it in a high school level Th- those mm-hmm. are tiers of popularity and acceptance so mm-hmm. all of us who have some sort of verified account from whatever application process or they were assigned to us yeah. Because we were journalists or musicians or or real people, like authentic mm. versions of ourselves online. Like, he seems mad that there's <laughs> some sort of elitism associated with it, and he wants to yeah. even the playing field while not realizing that, that verification... And I mean, to your earlier point, there will be people who do value their ver- verification enough to pay to keep it. But mm-hmm. I think other people are just angry that this is what he's yeah. focused on in sort of in plain sight just like i don't like that these people seem cooler than everyone else and me uh yeah. so i'm going to make it a point 
of emphasis that you're not cool. Anyone can be cool on my website. For eight bucks a month. For eight bucks. You pay me <laughs> and I'll make you cool. And yeah. I'm just riffing here, so I don't know if no, I thought no, this through, sure. but there's something psychological about about the verification thing. Because there's some of us who... I have another account that's not verified. One of the shows I like, the best show. Oh, I fucking the United love States. the best show. Yeah, they they will every couple months be like, hey, please verify us. Like there's something, yeah. and I, I've gotten in on that action a little bit to be like, can you just verify my podcast account? Like, I don't know why yeah. though. Like if I think about yeah. it. So like all I'm getting at is some of us do have that little bit of insecurity and neediness and what he's doing is uh, tapping into it and exploiting us mm-hmm. for wanting to feel validated and verified, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is my little theory about yeah. it. It's not germane to you or your record per se, but yeah. uh, I just wanted no, no, to... I, I, yeah. I yeah. find it fascinating. I mean, and it's interesting when we're talking about both this existential angst and, and the sadness of, you know, why can't we have nice things uh, in, in the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of, one of my main, and to tie it back into why I live in Halifax, like one of my main things that counters all this is just being out in nature. And I spend a lot of time in the ocean surfing and snorkeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I live out here. And, uh, I think you know the the getting away from technology and 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 just being out in s- surrounded by plants. Uh, for those that follow me on social media, they probably know about my jungle kitchen, uh, where I have um, you know every inch of the wall covered in pathos and vines and <laughs> and tropical plants. Yeah. Uh, uh, so like I I think. I think getting away from Twitter and get getting away from social media and having that being a part of your routine is just so, so important. Uh, well, again, uh, I, I do think like that's the silver lining here is maybe he is shining. This whole exercise is shining a light on why do we need the validation of verification? Well, like the, I think the biggest psychological threat, uh, one of them anyway, with social media beyond the disinformation is people feeling that that's a place to feel validated yeah uh, yeah because i get it yeah, like i still go, like you if, step into nature and yeah. then you're just like you immediately in like one second you're like who gives a shit we're gonna be dead so i soon. know like just it, make life a little bit better for the people around you it, and then and then yeah. you die that's it it is it is very much <laughs> if i think about some of the things that um have made me feel good about twitter Almost mm-hmm. all of them are like Norm Macdonald followed me, a cool oh, like someone wow, I admire, awesome. someone I admire yeah. followed me, and then you're like, yeah, why does that matter though, man? Like why? Yeah, and if yeah. and if and then when someone doesn't, you're like, that bothers us. Like <laughs> I know this from talking to younger people. They're like, oh yeah, they stopped following me, so I unfollowed them. You know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this whole like validation part is coming to the fore. Uh, because of these exercises that are going on in the background. And maybe that's good. So it's not simply about whether or not we all abandon this communications platform. It's what is this guy, when if you really dial into what he's doing, 
maybe it's shining a light on something. I'm not saying he's doing this on purpose or he, what right, he's doing. Right. Like, but if we all step back and be like, yeah, I actually don't give a shit about being validated by this stupid website. Like, I don't... Yeah. You're taking away a thing? Okay, I guess I'm annoyed that the change is happening, like you were with MySpace and Facebook. But mm-hmm. I'm annoyed by the changes because it seems unnecessary and petty. On the other hand, if you actually step back and look at yourself, like, what am I caring about right now? Why do I care about this? Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that's what happens on yeah. mass. I'm seeing it on comedy Twitter yeah. where people are like, uh, yeah. you know. Everyone's making fun of Well, there's and- someone, uh, as we're speaking a day or two ago, is like, I think I figured out a way to deal with this. They screenshotted their own name with the check mark and made it their banner. So when it goes away, <laughs> when it goes away, they can do that. Or they're adding different symbols. It's like, funny. who cares? You know, like yeah. why would anyone pay yeah. this billionaire yeah, yeah. for this stupid thing? Like, what does it mean? Anyway, Rich, it's, we're That's not going to resolve this. No, I, yeah, it's weird. I, yeah. And so, I, I, yeah. So uh, when I'm here, I'm out in nature, like, escaping it or on tour i'm constantly looking for botanical gardens and stuff the one you have in edmonton is so amazing with the pyramids oh yeah yeah that's right Uh, i'm not sure how much time you've spent there but i go pretty much every time i come out to edmonton that's lovely yeah i like i like that did i just say did i say vancouver uh i i I think i said edmonton but you said both things i think you just you said both things (laughs) it is interesting that you said uh uh i go into nature and I think you were kind of saying uh, to get away from the internet. But then you also said, for yeah. those of you who follow me on social media, you will know. You know, see where we're, we see what's <laughs> happening to us? Like, I, 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 I take my respite from the internet, but then I bring my respite I, I, to I, I you mean, on the internet. <laughs> like, that's, that's how I like, oh, yeah. just enjoying the camping. And you're like, you're taking photos of the camping. Yeah. Like, you're, it's yeah. so like, we're, we're, we're a little fucked. And I, yeah. I think this is a, a a nice segue into something more positive, into, uh, which is you yeah. and your work. Before we get into synthetic, a synth odyssey season one. This is one of four seasons, uh, as I've mm-hmm. I've sort of contextualized for people um, in the introduction of this episode. Before we get into this, you said something uh, a while ago about how when you were contemplating, if if we were to contemplate sort of the Halifax pop explosion, not the festival, but the actual. Uh, rise of guitar rock yeah. and, and Halifax. You were an outlier. I want to ask you a little bit about why that was. What instruments you are trained on, first of all, and why do you suppose yeah. you wound up going down this more synthesized route compared to some of some of your peers? I think of Ryan Hemsworth yeah. and, and other people yeah. doing kind of similar explorational stuff as opposed to whatever the indie rock of yeah the time. anyway can you talk a little bit about yeah, it's funny because even even ryan was mainly a guitarist that's right like at yeah. least when we played shows here and then uh and then i feel like he found his people on on the internet and then left halifax uh kind of in the classic uh joel plaskett uh, <laughs> uh aforementioned way yeah yeah i think i think because guitar wasn't my main instrument um i can play you know, a little bit of guitar, but mostly have just written and recorded on it instead of kind of playing it live. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I did play one show, <laughs> funny enough, with one with the guitar, but my main instrument growing up was classical piano hmm. and I played um, drums 
and uh, also played percussion in the school band and trumpet in the jazz band. And then bass was kind of like my main instrument, like outside extracurricular instrument. I did bass lessons and was trying to quickly advance in my bass playing because I uh, met like my two best friends in, in grade eight. Uh, Pierce and Paul uh, were essentially like a uh, child prodigy oh, wow. <laughs> uh, musicians. And they still are like some of the greatest musicians that I look up to. Pierce uh, just can play like any guitar riff and, you know, eventually went on and ha- uh, made a studio here in Halifax. And Paul kind of was able to play Bonham in a way that you're just like, I, I feel like I'm watching Led Zeppelin right oh, now. Wow. Nice. <laughs> uh, it, he was so, so good and, uh, and still is and kind of like moved on. I think he got bored with rock and roll and now mostly plays uh, reggae music. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the more complicated the time signatures, uh, the, the better. Uh, so he, so those two were like, uh, hey, we like you, but if you want to hang out with us, uh, learn the bass. <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, bass became kind of like my main, uh, stringed instrument. And, um, yeah. And I think as a result, I, I, I didn't really lean into guitar stuff. And because so many people around me were making really good guitar based music, I just was like, Oh, I'm just going to find my own yeah. lane and yeah. let, and just kind of let everyone else make some rad guitar stuff and 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 do my own thing but it was interesting yeah not really having uh the, my closest kind of musical peers in halifax were uh Wyndham Earl and i played trumpet in that band hmm. and I, I still technically do we we don't get to play that often but stefan just wrote really rad uh instrumental synth stuff but also he was um a guitarist so so it was, it was always like guitar driven with synth and horns Wow. So okay. So let's just back up. So so far, if yeah. I've kept track, for yeah. those not keeping track at home, we've got uh, guitar, drums, piano, synth, uh, trumpet. Mm-hmm. You're a multi instrumentalist. Like your brother, by the way, Paul, who yeah. I I got to know a lot more because he was in Ontario and he was producing records by uh, a bunch of indie rock bands at the time. And Paul stuck yeah. out because he played uh, vibraphone, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so also went kind of a unique route, was briefly a member, a touring member, at least of the Sadies, uh, and I yeah. would see him with them and another and his band, the Hyla Zoas, uh, I believe. Yeah, am I, am I saying yeah. all the right stuff? I feel oh, yeah. like I, yeah. I misspoke yeah. for somewhere. Anyway, yeah, no, so he's you, you're nailing it. A, bil- a, a billion, uh, I don't know, there's just some ambition between the two brothers. Then you showed up, and I could tell you had it too. So, yeah. uh, musical family, I'm gathering. Beyond, is it just you and your brother that? No, uh, no, del- just just yeah. my uh, our sister played uh, some what we've joked in interviews before as serious recorder. Uh, <laughs> most people, you know, play recorder in grade six, and that's that. But she did it until fourth year university. Oh wow! <laughs> so, go. so you know, when you get to the upper echelon of recorder music uh you're playing um these baroque kind of quartets with uh uh all the kind of other sized recorders so not your classic uh 
uh, Soprano. Uh, I think it's Soprano. Yeah, yeah, Soprano. My son, yeah. my son has one of those in the house that we had to buy for school, but they haven't really played it much around the house. Yeah, so. it's interesting that the other the other recorders do sound quite lovely. Like the even just dropping down to the alto. Hmm. Uh, it's a much much more smooth tone than the uh, than the the one your son would have had. Yeah, the the little yeah. so- soprano one. Uh, yeah, yeah, of, the school one, kind of piercing. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so okay. So you come from this long line, or what? Rather, you and your siblings, I should say, yeah, uh, are very immersed in music and on a level that's a high level. You have made uh, beyond your music uh, the the records you've made and the live performances you make. Uh, music for films and mm-hmm. um, and you like you said you get placements and things like that. Uh, so there's something very magical going on, I think, within you and your family in terms of music making. Uh, I, so it does not surprise me the the tagline I read earlier about this new series of yours, synthetic, uh, about about you promising to use more synths than any other in recorded history. Where did that notion? Again, I think it feeds. Maybe we've fed this answer already by all the things we've talked about in terms of yeah. your ambition and, and whatnot. But what do you want to say about the synthetic series and why this occurred to you? And by the way, for those who don't know, uh, I'm in Edmonton, uh, Rich is in Halifax. Uh, part of the story of this record, I believe, begins at the National Music Center in Calgary, Alberta, which is three hours away from me here. Yeah. Um, and that place is a, a hub for... I don't know. I keep talking to people who make records at the National Music Center, whether it's yeah, Ian Burton yeah. or Robin Hatch or whatever. And some of them use Tonto and mm-hmm. the, the various synths, and some of them don't. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Can you talk no, a little no. bit yeah. about about where this came from and why? Yeah. So I guess quickly to address the first thing of the most synths ever. <laughs> I think I think the the thing with each one of my records is I make like a list of rules. Uh, and I tacked that up on the wall in front of me and the rules are kind of, uh, set kind of pri from the previous record to do like the opposite. So the first EP I did, for example, a rule was to play every instrument myself. And then that was for personal publication. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and it's synced up to how the Grinch stole Christmas. So so like two of the rules for the next record were to record with some people and to record to a piece of visual that was in the public domain because I got a cease and desist from Dr. Seuss Enterprises LP. Like, oh uh, man, that's bad when Dr. <laughs> Seuss is mad at you. That is bad. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the actual Dr. Seuss would have been down with it, but he had passed away, so... Yeah. Just got a very uh, boring, unrhyming uh, <laughs> letter from their lawyers. <laughs> Not enough rhymes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so based on just those two rules, it, it kind of uh, led me to this point where I started recording with people, and I realized I probably wasn't going to do this idea again. So I might as well record with every single person I could. Uh, get in touch with over those two years so yeah so I kind of it switched to record with some people to record with everyone you know so and then the with the image stuff with the sync uh, because I try and write most of my records to sync up to old movies like uh, in the way that Wizard of Oz can be 
watched with uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. I started watching stuff in the public domain and couldn't really find one film that worked. So I took the, my favorite shots from 35 public domain films and then cut that to together to like a new film, uh, which is up on my Vimeo, hmm. which I don't, I haven't seen something else that quite did though. The closest is the flaming lips, uh, Sayurika, yeah. uh, sync, uh, but um, but this the the idea with this was was almost showing a narrative. But I I took Jimmy Stewart footage from three different movies, and because they're all in black and white, he m- more or less looks like the same character in all three movies. Hmm. I, I feel like some person in the future is going to make an amazing sample based film in the same way that like DJ Shadow or. Or some of the various like sample based musics have 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 made uh, made new art forms out of samples, and and I I think someone could take like a bunch of f- films and make like a whole narrative out of it. It might be a little psychedelic, but you know if you have the whole spectrum of film to work from, someone's gonna pull it off really well someday. Anyway, uh, I digress, but, uh, so those kind of things kind of ballooned and in the same way with synthetic, my previous record, uh, United States, which I wrote while cycling from Los Angeles to New York in 2018, uh, was a very like vocal, was my most vocal heavy record. So one of the rules was to just make an instrumental record and I'd been wanting to do this synth record for a long while so i was like okay it's time to do the synth record and when i started to think about having synths on it i was like i'm just gonna make it be a tour of all my favorite synths (laughs) and so i so it kind of like ballooned to me uh wanting to invite a lot of synth friends on it and then the pandemic happened and i tweeted out uh which moog uh, retweeted that I was looking for people to to join me on this uh, synth record, and so now I've got like an Excel sheet of over two hundred contributors with all their synths, wow, uh, all organized and laid out. And so I'm kind of figuring out where to fit everyone on the record, kind of similar to my first record that ended up ballooning to like over five hundred people. So. When you have 500 people on a record uh, that's an hour long, it turns into, you know, Jay Ferguson kind of only playing uh, a guitar lick for for like eight bars <laughs> on one song because it's like, oh, that's as much as I am a huge, 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 huge Sloan fan. I'm like, that's all we can fit. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, for those who, so I appreciate you said a lot of different things there. I sh- I want to ask you yeah. about how long it took you to bike from Los Angeles to New York in just a second, because that's intriguing. Uh, just real quick though, so you to, to to begin this project, we recorded fifty one synthesizers, and the first uh, volume of four synthetic season one, which mm-hmm. is out now, you played uh, yeah. thirty seven synthesizers. So yeah. As you say, you you just went to town, and that seems to be the deal. And and people can yeah. hear. I mean, for all the stuff we're talking about, it's just a really fun and interesting and occasionally haunting record to listen to. Uh, so congratulations mm-hmm. on this Thank first uh, season, if you will. Um, that's Thank you. cool. 
Again, I need to just step back a second. Why on earth did you bike from Los Angeles to New York? <laughs> and and yeah, how long did it? How long did that take? Uh, well, yeah, it was it was kind of it was my sequel to the first tour, which uh, uh, where I biked from Victoria to Halifax, right? Uh, and uh, I'm kind of wanting to do three. The third one, I haven't announced it yet but uh the third one is hopefully going to be across new zealand in january wow okay yeah so uh yeah i just kind of wanted to try what i tried uh 10 years prior across canada across the states uh and i uh i took uh how many days was it 60 61 days i think just over two months how many do you give yourself a, a maximum of how many hours a day you bike yeah, yeah. So I, uh, it was interesting to see all the things that had changed in the ten years. Uh, like when I did it in two thousand seven, uh, it was kind of, you know, uh, MySpace and you know I had Twitter and stuff like that. But it, and and there was things that there there were, social media existed, but wasn't quite as prevalent as it is uh, or as, as it is now, or it was in twenty eighteen. And so when I did the first tour, uh, and I, I also was in a period in 2007 where I uh, was kind of not like I got a cell phone uh, at my mom's request because she was worried about me biking yeah, alone of across Canada, of course. and yeah. uh, and it immediately broke. Uh, and instead of getting another one, I just was like, well, I tried. And then I went on to like not have a phone for two years and kind of like embrace this, uh, this kind of aloofness where if you wanted to get in touch with me, you sent me an email and, uh, and we made plans that way. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I was also resistant of joining Facebook for the longest time. I was hoping it was just going to be a passing fad and, mm -hmm. And then I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I, so that was like my 2008 to 2010 was, was pretty uh, uh, removed from being available uh, uh, or, or checking in on my like digital world. And then in 2018, the flip of that was like, I, I was, or I was, cause you asked me about how long I biked each day. Like in, by 2018, you know, 20, 2008, I was planning all this with physical maps and like drawing like with a Sharpie, uh, my route and everything. Yeah. And, at 2018, I was like using Google bike routes. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole thing was like, you know, uh, aside from making one mistake in the, uh, Californian desert and sending me down a, a dirt road that I had to push the bike for a while. Um, <laughs> it was generally pretty good at, at, uh, keeping me on wow. safe, safe bike routes. So, so, and, and I was able to like gauge stuff like elevation, which wasn't really possible in the Canadian bike tour. Yeah. Um, other than like, um, you know, um, making notes of it on, on a physical map. But so I would try and bike like, uh, just about eight hours a day. Some days you would have to by necessity bike for 10, but, but generally, like eight hours uh, on the bike. Good was, lord, was pretty. And good. then you would play shows. Yeah. On. And then I played shows. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, you you're only really going about uh, the distance that it would take you to drive an hour. So until I got to the east coast, I wasn't really playing like like 
by the east coast I, I was able to play like three shows a week but yeah on the west coast it was only one show a week um, right which made it really easy and healthy hmm. as far as like from a show point of view like i've i've often said that like when i did the first bike tour i was in like really good physical shape and feeling great and then immediately i hopped back in a 15 passenger to play drums and synth in my uh and my brother's band the hylozoists yeah. and we were on tour with the besnard lakes and and immediately that tour just like kicked my ass yeah. <laughs> and i yeah. and i ended up having like seizures after it and like low iron and and really oh, lord kind of like yeah yeah it was kind of a bad health moment for me and it's funny after uh you know i thought the states would would be more hard on my body doing it 10 years later like at 33 instead of 23 but um i felt great at the end of the american one and was like oh i could do this again nice uh which is probably why i'm gonna try and do it again this winter but but yeah i think the actual i, I think w- what i meant by all the best nerd lakes tour stuff is that uh just the actual act of touring is just so physical physically grueling mm-hmm. on musicians mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're very like responsible and you're, you know, like I definitely have rules about not drinking on tour more than like you would at home sort of thing. Like it's very easy to slip into, you know, seeing people partying every night, but, but you have to remember that you're out there doing your job and you, you can't, can't keep up with, uh, the people that are only, it's their one time out doing it because they're coming out to see you on like a Wednesday or something. Yeah. Yeah, so the actual physical, like, like touring musician schedule is so grueling that when people are like, oh, how did you bike? I'm, I'm like, wow, the bike tour is so much healthier <laughs> and nicer yeah. than, than the standard rock tour that, like, it's it's really, we should be saying, how do you do a normal rock tour? <laughs> I think a lot more people are saying that right now, actually. What, yeah, what yeah I think, uh, like, uh, I haven't got to read Rolly's latest article for the Toronto Star, but I read the one he wrote before and i've been re- following a lot of uh people online uh sean adams out of the consequences sound out of the uk uh a lot of people are really kind of i think we're at a a, a pivotal moment where we're either we're either gonna reluctantly fall back into the the way that things were or the worst state that they're in now mm-hmm. or hopefully get some change and uh make touring a, a a more um healthy uh possibility for for people like i i literally get sick every single tour I no just, no I it's just got it's <laughs> yeah it's not sustainable uh for those wondering yeah. what we're alluding to uh frequent guest and friend of the show cadence weapon aka roley pemberton has written an essay about the state of live music for uh i guess what, what we'll say a mid-level Musicians, like people who play mm-hmm. the, the clubs, uh, not the arenas yeah. and whatnot. And uh, Richie said Toronto Star. I believe it's a Toronto Life, actually. Uh, oh, Toronto Life. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, my, no, that's fine. Just, just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong, but yeah. I believe it's Toronto Life. Um, so check that out if you uh, can. Um, speaking of touring and what's next, so you allude to potentially a bike tour across New Zealand. This is an ambitious mm-hmm. record. You, you have enlisted people to help you. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, and as I say, this is season one, so there's three more uh, additions to this four-record series. 
Uh, Rich, yeah. can you talk a little bit about what's next for you um, in terms of both this series, uh, when we can expect at least the second volume if possible, and also yeah. uh, beyond New Zealand, are there any other touring plans given what we were just talking about? Yeah, so the immediate future is uh, currently uh, gearing up to mix uh, season two. So season two will come out i think in in may oh, okay um so so uh, the goal is to try and do them every six months i see um for two years and season two also will be another one where i'm just playing all the instruments mm-hmm. uh and then season three and four will be the ones with all the guest musicians oh, I see. on it okay okay mm-hmm. so uh so season three and four i'll in december will um kind of start sending out to to people and be like you have eight months to <laughs> play this eight bar section <laughs> if you please and uh also film yourself uh playing it so that i can send the proof to the folks at guinness book of world records because uh, they actually approved the what record attempt uh but i need to submit all the video evidence uh, is it too is it too it. late to get in on this? Do you have enough people? No, no, uh, yeah. So the nice the nice thing about releasing uh, a quadruple album in chunks is that if someone likes the first part of it, they can be like, oh, "I'll get in on that last chunk of soup." Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this and and have a penchant for synths uh, and want to join in just send me a message on any uh social media and uh i uh uh i'll add you to this excel sheet uh and and slot you in maybe i'll uh, uh it, maybe i'll uh, see if i can get my son in on this they like uh oh yeah that'd be they awesome like their synth settings yeah. on their uh yamaha whatever the heck i bought them uh <laughs> nice yeah that'd be that'd be that'd be awesome <laughs> all right maybe you and i could have a side conversation so i can get my son yeah uh, into sure. the music industry um and then in terms of tour plans <laughs> what else is going on for you and then touring uh nothing's absolutely set but um the idea is maybe to go back to some of the festivals next year yeah. for um doing uh south by and maybe great escape and uh, I've been touring the last couple of years with uh, friends uh, uh, in Tupperware Remix Party. Uh, they also have been just going by Twerp for a, a while mm. now. And they're amazing. Their fans are the most supportive people I've ever met. Um, I, I've had a really interesting, like, eclectic uh, career of, like, getting to open for you know, deer hoof to lights, to caribou, to girl talk, to Arkells, to, um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other grimes. Uh, Mm. so it's like there, there's, there's like all these, uh, ends of the spectrum and doing the shows with twerp have been like the most, uh, like immediately, kind of comfortable and 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 welcoming kind of like oh, fans nice. uh, that I've met. So it's been a really lovely experience and uh and their buds from out in Halifax here and and absolutely crushing it like we just played a pretty much nearly sold out tour across uh the UK. Oh nice. 
and so I think the plan is to go across uh, Europe in um, in 2023. Well, best of luck um, with that. I hope it goes well. And yeah, and, you know, we, yeah. As again, as we're speaking, it's strange times um, for touring, but I hope it goes well. Um, if people mm-hmm. want to learn more about you and the series and your tour dates and things like that, Rich, where would you like to send them using the dreaded internet? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just, uh, I think my website has everything and all the links to all my social media. So it's just richocoin, uh, .ca. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people can, yeah, order the record and all that sort of stuff there as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's cool. If we can go out on a song from synthetic, I wonder if you can pick one for us, Rich, and maybe tell us why it came to mind and maybe, uh, maybe give us a bit of backstory there. Yeah. Uh, maybe space Western, as you were mentioning with uh, me doing a lot of scoring and stuff with film, uh, I've definitely uh, have like a lot of tracks on this um, quadruple record that are kind of um, showcasing more of uh, my like film scoring kind of sounds. And so this, this, this song I think is kind of like a mix of Morricone meets Carpenter and it's kind of built off the what I was kind of saying earlier with the touring with Torb that they all perform in costume. I, I kind of describe them as to people that don't know about them as um, funk guar. <laughs> uh, so, so all the spectacle of a guar show, but instead of metal music, it's uh, like synth funk uh kind of minneapolis uh funk uh okay uh more morris day kind of morris day the time Uh, prince yeah yeah yeah, yeah, more 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 morris day than prince i see okay um but uh yeah it's it's absolutely such a fun show but immediately when they first asked me to open in 2019 i was like well i should probably come up with a character because uh that's what that's what their their whole world is about. So I see. I uh, developed the the space cowboy, uh, and we'll come out to like that one line from the Steve Miller song, <laughs> and uh, uh, and it's it's gone from me just you know grabbing a ten dollar astronaut costume from uh, Valley Village to creating a whole like world building, and and now looking more like a mix from the, the man without a name and Boba Fett, uh, (laughs) sort of, uh, character. And so for this song, I even, I hired this guy, Tom Ralston that, uh, drew a poster in the, in the, in the style of Drew Struzan, who did all the like eighties posters. We love like, uh, uh, you know, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark that we were mentioning earlier or Star Wars and Goonies and stuff like that. And so we went out to the desert and made made something amazing out there with uh, a lot of love and uh, and so I've been kind of slowly releasing the song as a set of teasers uh, teaser trailers um, uh, because we actually got to shoot a really cinematic thing out there which uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, uh, so this is the the whole song. Uh, which will be eventually all accompanied with visuals in in the next uh, few weeks. Oh, nice! That's great. Well, yeah. all right. Let's. Uh, I appreciate the explanation, and I. That sounds like something to behold in person. So I hope people yeah, get to first, see it. 
the first two parts are out now and uh, there's still another five parts to come. <laughs> yeah. Well, here it is from uh, Synthetic, a Synth Odyssey season one. Uh, this is Rich O'Coin with a, a song called Space Western. Rich, uh, I, I really enjoyed this conversation and I appreciate you and all your ambitious and wonderful work. So thank you for this time and I hope we speak again and best of luck in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. You too. And uh, take care.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ah, there you go. Some recent music by Rich O'Coin. I hope you enjoyed uh, what you heard there and the conversation I had with Rich. Rich, thanks so much for appearing on this, the 700 and 37th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking all over for it, you've looked under the bed, you've looked in, in the closet, you don't know where it is, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. Everything you could need based on what I just said is, is there at vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter, still, apparently, at Vish Creative. Or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at Vish Kana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. That is the primary source of revenue, and it means the most to me because it uh, comes from listeners like you who appreciate the show and... Uh, Appreciate what I'm trying to do with it, I guess. And you, you reach into your hearts and your pockets, and you're like, "What can I? I gotta help Vish here. He's it's a lot of work for just what does he got? Like 140 patrons? He probably needs more than that. Six dollars American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. You get episodes earlier than everybody else. Sometimes by a lot, sometimes by just a couple of hours. I'm tired. I work a lot. Doing my best here. Also, what else do you get? Oh, you get uh, archival material from my audio archives. I dig into them sometimes, and I find things that I think you might find interesting. I put them on there, and uh, so it's a little bit of bonus stuff, but it's really, I know, I know most of you are are supporting the show on Patreon because you just want to support the show. You're not looking for frills, but uh, trying to give back a little bit uh, beyond uh, the regular show. So again, yeah, please... uh, Oh, there's actually, there's one more frill of t-shirts. I still have some Creative Control t-shirts, so if you're looking for one, message me on Patreon if you've been a, a, a patron, and uh, I'll get you one while supplies last. Again, patreon.com slash Control. Thanks, as always, to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my uh, dear friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this podcast. You can learn more about Jim, and you should go and learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Rich Show Coin and for checking out Rich's music and for subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends all about how much you enjoy the show and wish they would 
get with it and try out the show. That all means a lot, uh, you spreading the word. So thank you so much. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.